All right, if you have your Bibles, turn back to Mark chapter 10, and we're going to preach a very brief message since I preached such a long message this morning, and I appreciate all the encouragement I got from the message. By the way, we had a couple of complaints about people talking during my message, and so if you have to talk, go ahead and text. No, don't do that. Um, and, uh, and it wasn't children either, it was adults. And so I'm going to tell you something, you need to realize somebody in front of you or somebody behind you, you'll be the biggest stumbling block in the world if you don't listen, uh, and if you talk and just carry on during the service, okay? So anyway, I just wanted to relay that message that not only distracts me, but it might distract some people in front of you or behind you, and whatever it is, it's like, you know, some people, they, they have their phones and they're addicted to them, they're absolutely addicted to them, and they, uh, they can't leave home without them. And then they cannot stop texting because they're afraid they're going to miss a message. I want to tell you something. There is no message more important than God's message. There is no message that urgent. Because I want to tell you something. If, if somebody likes your page, they can do it later on. Amen? And so uh, I think God deserves your undivided attention and also your respect. Amen? Uh, that's just the truth. You know, we just need to, and you know, I'm pretty strict on things, but... I really am excited about worshiping and preaching, and I take it very serious what I do, and that's preach the gospel, and I, I, I expect respect from the Word of God. And in respect for the Word of God, if you'll stand, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 10 and go to verse 13 through 16 after this very serious message on marriage and divorce and remarriage. I'm glad the Lord wants to deal about children. Blessing little children. And uh, it's a blessing to have little children running around here. And uh, thank God for them. And thank God for you that work in the junior church. As My wife was commenting the other day about what a great program that's up there. But it's a program based on the Word of God. And several people have been saved recently on the bus ministry. And uh, that's a blessing. That's what it's all about. And I'll tell you why they get saved when they're children, just a minute. And the fact of the matter is, for you to be saved, you've got to become like a child. It's not childish, it's childlike. So let's read this. It says, And they brought him a young, young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. That had to be their parents, I hope. It could have been a bus ministry, but I don't think they had them back then. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. And he said to them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. And verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive see the kingdom of God as a, dear, as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2. The Bible says, And be therefore followers of God as dear children. Let me repeat that. Ephesians, General Electric Power Company, GEPC. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Excuse me, 1. Verse 1. Be therefore, as, be therefore followers of God as Dear children, walk in love as Christ also loved us 
has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice of God for a sweet-smelling Savior. You may be seated as I pray. God, thank you for this afternoon. Thank you, dear God, for the prayer meeting. Touched my heart, energized my soul, and helped me greatly. And I sure needed it. And Lord, I pray, dear God, that you'd help me uh, to have clarity of thought of what I've studied. And Lord, help us, God, to realize how important it is to reach children. God, help us to uh, realize how open and honest children really are. And God, may we honestly go after them as never before. Thank you for the testimony in the prayer room of the uh, bus uh, uh, kids' parents that are getting open and receptive to coming. And we pray, God, we can reach the whole family uh, through these bus ministries and van ministries. But Lord, I thank you for the ministry that we have to our own children. And God, may we be good stewards of that. And may we always bring them face to face with Jesus. And Lord, you promised that you'd bless them. So Lord, help us, dear God, and give us faith and understanding. And Lord, help us never to hinder a little child. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'd like to title this message, Don't Hinder the Children. Don't Hinder the Children. You know, the Lord just finished a very controversial, but uh, to them, it shouldn't be to us because we have the Word of God in many places to to describe what people go through when they have a divorce. But um, the Jewish tradition to bring small children to a great rabbi uh, was prevalent that day, and they'd bring these children to the synagogue, and the elders would take the child in his hands and pray for the life of that child. It's kind of like the baby dedication day that we have. And uh, somebody asked me after the sermon uh, this morning if... Uh, they could renew their wedding vows. And I said, you sure can, and I'll get a whole lot of people with you because all of us need that. I guess I've renewed my wedding vows 20 times, amen? And it's, and it's good, amen? Especially that's never had a, a church wedding. It's, just, it's great. Or maybe uh, uh, you have rededicated your life or got saved since, you, since you've been married and you want to really rededicate or renew uh, your wedding to the Lord. And I think that's great. But I want to tell you one of the blessings of being married is children. Uh, the Bible says that they twain shall be one flesh, and the results of that many times uh, is that God blesses you with children. And I believe if you can have children, you ought to have them as early as you can. You know, we have a day and age now where the average man is 29, and the, and the average for a, a, a lady to get married is 27. In my day, you was old, amen. Uh, Miss Deborah was married when she's 14. I don't recommend that. I, well, you probably was more mature than the 14-year-olds of the day. I, can you imagine a 14-year-old walking this aisle getting married? Hallelujah. My grandmother was 16, I think. And uh, she wished she'd have waited a couple of years. No, not really. And uh, lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. And I believe a lot of people, they don't want to have children because they are children. They don't want to grow up. Uh, they want to just come, you know, keep having a quiet home and a nice time, and, and uh, you know, they want to be the object of attention, and, and sometimes uh, folks just don't want to have children, and that's fine, but I want to tell you something, if you can, you ought to, because it's, it's a blessing, it's great. I wouldn't give anything for my children. Well, let me think about that. Yeah, I wouldn't give anything for my children, amen? A million dollars I wouldn't give to, for them, amen? They're a blessing, I mean, and, and uh, what a blessing they are. And, you know, I never want to be a stumbling block. I know when uh, we found out that we were expecting for the first time, that was Jason, 
Uh, we knelt at a coffee table at this little old house in Claxton, Georgia, and, and uh, I was home for lunch. All I was doing was eating a tuna fish sandwich, and about that time, she looks at me and says, we're going to have a baby. I said, we're going to have a what? She said, we're going to have a baby. I said, I dropped my tuna fish sandwich. We fell on our knees by the coffee table, and I began to weep like a baby. Good gracious. I, I hate to admit I was such a baby. And we said, oh, God, I don't ever have this boy. I claimed a boy first. Not that I don't like girls. But um, I said, I pray this boy would be something for God, and, and if we can't raise him right, we don't want to ever have him. That's a dangerous thing to pray. But I meant it. And, and I'll tell you what, we had a prayer meeting, uh, and we rejoiced together and having Jason. And he's turned out good. Uh, if he don't act too much like his daddy, he'll be all right. But anyway. I want, I want to teach you tonight that uh, uh, we need to reach children as never before. Uh, I, in terms of uh, a Christian marriage, one of the blessings of a Christian marriage is that we can raise our children right and that we can bring them to Jesus, not just for a blessing, but to be a, uh, blessed by being saved at an early age. I believe every child ought to get saved early. I'll give you some statistics that'll prove that it's dangerous to wait till you're older to try to get saved. You're against the odds. Every day you delay in getting saved is a dangerous delay because your cart gets calloused. And you might die with your boots on and not get saved. Passage clearly reveals certain responsibilities. I mean certain responsibilities uh, that we have as parents and as a church towards children. I appreciate our children's church. I appreciate Brother Bobby's enthusiasm about reaching children. I appreciate these bus captains. I appreciate uh, so much uh, their service. I appreciate Taylor. She's been back there in preschool church for 20 years. Amen. She grew up back there. Amen. And she's so faithful and loves those little children and brings you in to help. And I don't take that for granted. I know God doesn't take that for granted. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. They might not get saved when they're preschoolers, but the seeds being planted, the hearts being uh, touched and cultivated, and their little hearts are getting aware that they need to be saved. Amen? Holy Ghost conviction. Just like the choir sang this morning, I'm glad I got lost so I could get saved. But I'll tell you how you get a child lost. Get them under the sound of the gospel. And folks, parents should care enough to bring their children to Jesus. I'm glad I had a mama that brought me to Jesus. If it had been up to my daddy, we'd have slept in every Sunday morning with his hangover. But my mother was determined to bring us to Jesus. And I count her blessed. From the earliest passages of the Bible, believers have been challenged to share the things of God with children. I want you to look at the establishment of a great nation called Israel. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, please. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, you knew I was going to go there sooner or later, but I believe it's the world's greatest undertaking is raising children. I believe that. And folks, when they get teenagers, it's the world's greatest miracle if they turn out right. Amen. Boy, they're faced with a lot of stuff. When I was a teenager, getting high, I was climbing a ladder and, and drinking a Bud Stupid. And now, I tell you what, there are all kinds of highs out there that bring very big lows. And folks, people are addicted to pornography and crack and cocaine and all kinds of stuff. And it's being pushed in the schools. 
Can you imagine that there's drug pushers in the schools? There is. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, I love this chapter. Uh, matter of fact, I like, uh, I like it so much I, I'd like to preach a series out of it on uh, the foundation for every great nation. But I also see that uh, folks in this, in this uh, passage, Deuteronomy chapter 6, it begins with Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29, the thought. And look, look at this, look at this uh, powerful verse, Deuteronomy chapter 5, and I want you to look at verse 29. The Bible says, Oh, that there were such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. You know what is a blessing? It's when a child can be raised up in a God-fearing home. Amen? And keep the commandments. Folks, and listen, I want to tell you something. That's a boundary of protection. That's a boundary of blessing. I want to tell you something. A Christian home is a gift to, from God to children. I'm glad I had a mama that, that made our home a Christian home, even though it wasn't uh, always easy. But then we go down to uh, chapter 6, and verse 1 through 8, he's talking about how to establish a nation. He said, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that, listen now, you might... Do them in the land, whether thou go possess it. Before you possess the land, I want to tell you something. You better have good families, is what he's saying. Look at verse 2. Thou mightest fear the Lord thy God. There it is again. That's respect. Amen? I want to tell you something. God-filled fearing children are a blessing to be around. Amen? Man-fearing children will do anything for attention. But God-fearing children is a blessing. You ought to pray that your children will fear God, not just the, I almost said the whip, the hickory switch, or mama or daddy. And definitely not fear their peer pressure. People will do some crazy things for the attention of others. It says, Thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, and keep all the statutes and his commandments which I have commanded thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son. You know what that is? That's grandchildren. How many of you grandparents raise your hand? Uh, it makes you it makes you crazy, don't it? Amen. I mean, you just you know, you lose all kinds of sense of bearing when you have grandchildren. Uh, you're rough on your children, and then you're just lenient on your grandchildren. Now, I'm not. I'm I'm rough on all of them, but uh, I mean, I'm disciplined there. Boy, I tell you what, uh, they know the walk the chalk line when they come to Papa's house. Amen. I'm not preaching. I'm lying right now. Amen. But anyway, it says all the days of thy life that thy. I thought Jason gonna stand up and rebuke me, but anyway. Uh, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. You literally lengthen the days of your children if you have a God-fearing home. Now listen to this. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that they may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. But what good is milk and honey if you lose your children? Now look at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and all thy might. But it doesn't stop there. It says, And these words have I commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, 
and thou shalt be as a frontlet between their eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of the house and on the gates, and it shall be when thy Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which thou swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, the houses and houses be full of good things which thou fillest, fillest not, and which wells dig which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Folks, what he's saying is that uh, the Christian nation that he was wanting to establish and the blessing of, of the land of milk and honey should be that we ought to train up our child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Parents should do everything in their power to ensure their children are exposed to the gospel early. Vacation Bible school, Sunday school. I'm, th- I'm talking about prayer meetings and all that goes on in the church. There ought to be nothing in the world more important than that. And folks, your children see your priorities. And so the primary responsibility is get your children to Jesus. According to the recent Gallup poll, this shocks me. Somebody check it out. Google it if you want to. Not now. But uh, Google it if you want to. But 19 out of 20 people who became Christians did so before the age of 20. I did a survey in the prayer room, and that was exactly probably the ratio. Maybe a little less than that. Listen to this now. At the age of 25, 1 in 10,000 people get saved. At the age of 35, 1 in 50,000 people get saved. And at the age of 45, 1 in 200,000 people. And at 55, 1 in 300,000 people. And at 75, 1 in 700,000. I was thinking about some of the old people that got saved, like Bill Roberts and his wife. They were 83 years old, got saved. That was one out of 700,000 of a chance that they'd get saved. But folks, I like those odds about 19, um, uh, uh, 19 out of 20 people that got saved said they got saved when they were young. Don't take a chance and let your child get a hard heart. Number two, we serve our children by educating them we serve them by evangelizing them but we also serve them by education and I think the greatest education is found in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 the Bible says this and ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord nurture refers to whole training I mean education of the child and nurture means that you uh, nurture them uh, with love and respect and you make much of Jesus and just model your faith. I mean, they just see Jesus in your life. That's the greatest education a child could ever receive is that when they look at mama and daddy and they look at grandmama and granddaddy that they know there is a God that changes lives. give some statistics that I don't really want to give you but I'm going to give it to you weddings are awesome but statistics tell us that marriage is awful in an awful state in America America families as we know it husband, wife, married with children and from them their union they bring children 
is less than 25% of all Americans. Less than 25% of all Americans have a normal home. The average man marries at the age of 29. The average woman marries at the age of 27. And about 60% end in divorce. But if you get married before you're 18, excuse me, Miss Deborah, if you get married before you're 18, they've been married 50 years today, you and Billy, 50 years. Thank God we'll see him again. And um, if you get married before you're 18, it jumps to 65% get a divorce. <clears throat> People that live together before marriage, only 21% of them uh, make it past five years of marriage. You know why? You shack, you have premarital uh, relationships without commitment, it drains over into the family. Folks, without commitment, you ain't got a relationship. Amen. Um, let me just say this. The Harris Poll asked college students uh, if they thought that the greatest need in life was a close-knit family and a happy marriage. Ninety-seven percent of them said, that really is what I want. And so you might think the world's going crazy, but when you really interview people in the college age, they know that what they really want is a good home. Uh, the research states that the harsh correlation between poverty, game participation, drugs and drinking, abuse, and the top ten things that destroy young people's life is when there is no father in the home. God has a blueprint. It's a covenant relationship. It's an umbrella of protection for children. If the marriage breaks apart, there's a ripple effect. And folks, the children are the ones that get affected. If one of your parents were divorced, the probability of you getting divorced is uh, 60%. Maybe, uh, I think it's about 69%. But if both your parents were divorced, the odds are tripled. It goes up to 189% chance that you'll have a divorce too. 40% of all Americans think that marriage is obsolete. And in Europe, marriage is hardly even mentioned. In terms of a Christian marriage, Christian marriages are almost non-distinguishable from secular marriages. And because of that, a secular research company came to this conclusion, is that people hold or have a failure to hold marriage and marriage commitment in high esteem. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. Those odds are sort of scary, and those odds are depressing. But I want to tell you something. You plus God breaks all the odds. God help us not to realize that we need God in our marriages, and that we need God in our relationship, and that you cannot raise your children without God. And so we need to get busy and evangelize them, but not only evangelize, we need to educate them that God is real. And the greatest knowledge on this earth is that they know God and that they fear God. Then we serve our children by encouraging them. You know, the word admonition means encouragement. You know, uh, Brother Jason was testifying about bus visitation yesterday and how he's meeting some of the parents and they were getting very receptive about coming. But I want to tell you something, folks. A lot of times these children come to this church and they have nothing to smile about and they have nothing to laugh about. And if you knew what they went through the Monday through Thursday before they got here, you would probably go hug every one of them, and you'd love them. And folks, they're exposed to some ungodliness. 
And they need somebody to love them. And they need somebody to give them an interception of this, 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 this cycle of destruction. This whirlpool. You talk about crazy cycle, nothing. I'm talking about this, this, uh, this uh, cesspool and whirlpool of ungodliness in the home, disrespect, slapping and cussing and fussing, and, and daddy's not around. And mother's trying to raise all the children by herself. And folks, it's hard when they come and they find a church where there's not a sincere, devoted person to encourage them and to love them. Let me hear and say this. D.L. Moody once returned from a meeting and reported that two and a half people uh, were saved. And somebody said, two adults and a child, I suppose? And he said, no. He said, two children and one adult. The children gave their whole lives, but the adults had only a half a life to give Jesus. So folks, it's a big deal when a child gets saved because they have their whole life to serve God. I'm glad I got saved at an early age, 11 years old, but I wish I'd have got saved a whole lot earlier. Celebrated it Friday, 55 years being saved. And I'll tell you the reason I saved, I had godly Sunday school teachers. Miss Massey, I can still remember she had a wooden leg, and, and all we beginners sort of uh, looked at that leg and said, ask questions about it. I mean, intelligent questions like, is, you, do you ever get termites and all kinds of stuff? You know, we hassled her, and we, uh, you know, it was terrible. And she'd just smile, Miss Massey, and she'd teach us the Word of God, and she'd love us. My daddy would be drunk all the week long, and Mr. Lawrence, an old deacon, he must have been at least 48. He was an old, ancient guy. And we were sitting there looking at him and he'd just cry over our souls and pray for us and he'd teach us the word of God and praise God. When I got saved, the first person I looked up to was Mr. Lawrence sitting on the back row and he's just weeping because he'd been praying for my soul. And he'd been taking me places to eat and he'd been spending time with me and he'd been giving me the gospel. Folks, I want to tell you something, there's nothing like it. And so we need to realize that we need to serve children by giving them the gospel, give them encouragement, and give them a Christian home. Then second of all, I see a lesson not only about service, but I see a, uh, a lesson about salvation. Somebody had to bring these kids to, to Jesus, but I see a lesson about salvation. What's this text imply? Well, number one, that children need the Lord. They're born with an Adamic nature just like you. And they all sin and come short of the glory of God. And boys and girls that do not get saved are going to hell. And boys and girls that do not get saved will probably let a little taste of hell repeat themselves in their adult life. And they'll never get out of that cesspool of sin. They'll never get out of that cycle, that whirlwind of sin. They'll never get out of that depressing, uh, trying to live without God and get their way. They'll never get out of it. The only hope for a child in an ungodly home is God to deliver them and save their soul. But folks, the only way you can be saved is you need to come to Him like a dear child. And from a child that has known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Timothy was saved not just by Paul's preaching. Timothy was saved because he had a godly grandmother and a godly mother, Lois and Eunice, I believe their names were. What's it involved? Well, there's an age of decision. 
Some people call it the age of accountability. When I was growing up, somebody taught this, that it was 12 years old, and then they just turned it on when we turned 12. Well, I want to tell you something, folks. The age of accountability is a lot earlier than the age uh, back then. I'm going to tell you something. You can be accountable to God, and you can be saved at a very young age. If you're exposed to the gospel, and if the gospel is presented in a proper way. Take time to find out where a child is. Let me give you four questions you ought to ask a child when you're leading them to the Lord. Number one, what does it mean to be saved? That's a good question to ask a child. What does it mean to be saved? Well, it means, and they don't know, they don't know. And I want to say that education, it doesn't save them, and the right answers doesn't save them. But here's another question. Why do you feel that you need to be saved? I mean, you don't, you don't answer that either. Say, oh, you don't want to go to hell, do you? Well, what child does? Amen. You know, we lead them too much sometimes. And then uh, here's a good question. How can you explain how a person gets saved? How can you explain how a person gets saved? They ought to at least know how to get saved if they want to get saved. Amen. And then can you explain to me what sin is? That's a, that's a great question. Amen. That's a real good question. Pray for me, I think I'm having a stroke. I'm seeing spots come across in front of me, amen? I believe that was a gnat, amen? Yes, it was. No, it was a spider, praise God. Let's go on. What does it mean to be saved? Why do you feel that you need to be saved? Can you explain to me how to get saved, and what is sin? Folks, they got to realize, they got to realize they're lost before they can get saved. And there's many other questions, but I want to tell you something. The great idea is this. They need to know they're a sinner, I was just counseling with somebody during the handshaking time. They need to know they're a sinner. They need to know they can't save themselves. And they need to know that Jesus is the only Savior. I went by my place of uh, where I got, uh, got saved. Where I got married. Wesley Hills Baptist Church. Now it's a Bria, Bia, I don't know, some unity center. So I looked it up on the internet to see what was in my church building. And they believed that Jesus was just one of the great uh, teachers of, and they put Muhammad and all of them together, and, and this place was full. I was going to go in and see where, see the altar and everything where I, where I got married, and you know, we were just getting nostalgic, and we just wanted to stop by, and uh, then after I saw what it was, I said, man, I ain't going to go in there. They'll try to, they'll try to convert me. I should have went there and preached to them. But there was hundreds of black people uh, worshiping some leader that brings all the great leaders of the past together, and Jesus Christ was number four. Well, I want to tell you something. Jesus is not number four. Jesus is one. He's the alpha, and he's the last. He's the omega. There's only one way to be saved. Friend, listen, you need to make sure that children know that they're trusting Jesus as the only way, the only truth, and the only life. It's an age of decision. What is that age? When they realize they're a sinner, and they realize that there's a Savior, and they can either reject him, or receive him. Amen? It's not just answering the questions. There's got to be conviction. We need to be very careful about that. And folks, I believe a child that is not at the age of accountability is safe until he gets to accountable. I don't believe babies go to hell. I believe dogs and cats do, but not babies. Amen? Some of y'all looking at me, Woo, don't tell me my Fifi went to hell. I don't think they went anywhere. Amen? They don't have a soul. Or I'd go out, I love Milo so much, I'd go lead him to the Lord this afternoon, amen? Say, Milo, do you know you're a sinner? You know, amen. No, listen, 
I'm just telling you, friend, we're not dealing with animals. We're dealing with souls. We need to be careful. Folks, maybe the high infant rate in these Middle East countries is the grace of God. Because he knows they're going to go to hell. And so a lot of them die and go to heaven. You ever thought about that? And so what is the, what is the illustration? The illustration is this. Children are humble. Children are trusting. Children are dependent. And that's the only way you can come to Jesus. Children simply accept profoundly the things of faith. I love it. That's why y'all love dealing with children. That's why you love the bus ministry. That's why you love picking them up. Because children are just so honest. But I want to tell you what uh, grown children get. Prideful. They care about what people think. And they care about themselves too much. But children, they don't care. Praise God. I ain't going to hell for nobody. I'm getting saved. Amen. And that's wonderful. And the Bible says we need to come to Jesus like dear children. It's not childish, it is childlike. So we learn a lesson about salvation. We learn a lesson about service. And last but not least, we learn a lesson about the Savior. Look at verse 13, back in our text. Mark chapter 10, please. I hope this has helped you. Mark chapter 10, verse 13, it says, And they brought young children to him that they should touch him, and the disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, not at the children and not at the parents. And he said, Suffer little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. Folks, listen. They lived in a day and age again where women were just abused and women were cast out. And I believe that's why uh, uh, Moses had to have that bill of divorce divorcement and that's why the Lord elevated women not to be abused and they couldn't just uh, uh, divorce them for any reason but I want to tell you something children were elevated by the Lord um, Mark chapter 9 verse 42 reminds us of the harsh punishment to those that abuse little children it says better than a millstone it says whatsoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me is better for him that a millstone was hanged around his neck and he were cast into the sea. And that's chapter 9 of Mark, verse 42, just next door. In the society, children were often treated with contempt and viewed as property. A papyrus letter written by a man named Horalian to his expected wife, Alias, dated June 17, 1 B.C., instructed her, if it was a male child, let it live. If it's a female, cast it out. But folks, don't be alarmed by that. We have a lot of people that are killing babies today for the God of career and the God of convenience. And folks, I want to tell you something. Uh, the power was called Patrius Protestus. A father could condemn a, condemn a child to die simply by commanding it done. A father could, could say, uh, in case that it, he, he, didn't, he was displeased with a child, that he could be killed, and it's recorded as late as 60 A.D., and the practice was finally outlawed at three, 375 A.D. So Jesus elevated children to a place of importance. They're little souls, and they're human beings, and they deserve to hear the pure gospel and they are deserve of parents that will walk the walk and not just talk the talk. 
And I am really sorry that we have to have a bus ministry because I sure would like to see every parent bring their child to this church. But I believe the goal, Brother John, you've always made this a priority, and the bus ministry is to reach the whole family. And thank God if we reach the little missionary, she can go home or he can go home and reach mom and daddy. It won't be easy because she lives in hell by the acre, maybe being abused, surely neglected. But thank God if we can reach these little children, we can reach the parents. And then we can break that awful chain of destruction and misery and pain. And how many kids today have daddy in jail? How many kids today have mom and daddy on drugs? And they're really raising themselves, or the older, older child is the mama. Somebody on a Saturday morning comes and knocks on their door and says, I'd like to take your child to Whitfield Baptist Church if you don't mind. And here's a piece of bubble gum, hon. We, you'll have a lot of fun and you'll enjoy it and you'll be able to go to a church that loves you. And then they come and they get saved and they marry right and their whole future's changed. And one day when they're old and they die, they go to heaven. And they don't go to hell. And folks, I believe we ought to be like Jesus. Bring them to us. Suffer the little children to come unto me. And folks, I see a lot about our Savior in this closing verse. He says, he took them in his arms and put his hands upon them and blessed them. See, the Lord's heart is for children. And His hands proved it because He picks them up and He blesses them. And our heart ought to be for children. We ought to love every one of them. We ought to be very patient when they paint the walls and when they dent the floors and when they jump out the bus window, I'll be very patient. I'll just pick them up. No, we ought to, we ought to tell them we can't do that. We ought to love them. Because I want to tell you something. It might be the only hour of the week that they feel like somebody really cares. God help us not to ever get out of the bus ministry because the gas price goes up because what is the worth of one soul and if these statistics are just close to being right that 19 out of 20 people get saved uh, before the age of 20 we have a responsibility to reach the children let's pray father thank you for this passage of scripture Thank you, dear God, for this thought that we don't want to be a hindrance. But dear God, we want to be a help. God, we want to have rescue vehicles called church vans and church buses. We want to have children's church and junior church that keeps their interest not to entertain them, but dear God, to reach them. 
and send them home as little missionaries with hope and peace and love that you put in their soul because they saw that love and hope and peace first in our lives. So God help us be good parents. But God help us be good children workers. God help us never lose patience because dear Lord they're just like we were before we got saved. They're lost. They don't have the Holy Spirit. But God what a difference you make when you take them into your heart and pick them up with your hands and bless them 